Hey, homebodies! Welcome back to the Introvert City Podcast, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. How are we doing today, Miss Karina? Stop calling me Miss Karina. <laughs> um, I, <hate> it. <laughs> I don't know why you hate it. I think it's cute. It's not cute. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> so, how was your week? Was your week good? My week has been really good. This is the first week that I really felt like it was summer. Just real quick, uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mom, you're dope. I love you. You're great. My mom is also dope. Yeah. I don't like um, that word. <laughs> I love you, mom. They're motherly. <laughs> we had a great Mother's Day service. We did have a really great Mother's Day service. Yep. Uh, you talked about Hannah. It was really, it was really interesting. I actually had never heard the full story of Hannah in the Bible. I've heard her referenced, but I've never heard the whole story. And I thought, I don't know, it was inspiring to me. And I was encouraged to like go read it by myself. No, oh, yeah, it was it was definitely very encouraging. And I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. I also thought the worship was really awesome that day. Um, and my family and I, we had a pretty good day alone as mm-hmm. well. And I'm sure Same. you guys did stuff as well, too. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, happy Mother's Day. Fathers, you can... You'll get a turn soon, but it's about moms. <laughs> All right. So today we have a very special episode. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had one guest who um, obviously was very personally related to one of our co-hosts, Mrs. Karina Bruno. That had was her so father, extra. Uh, had her father, Mr. Uh, Professor Anthony Bruno. And so uh, today <laughs> we're having a special guest a person I know very well, yeah. who's very close to me, yep. my father, Mr. Sal Frankie. You okay? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Uh, I'm well, I'm well. Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you for being here. So excited. You're an extrovert. Uh, extremely extrovert. Extreme yeah. extrovert. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I do want to say that I am uh, deeply honored to be here with both of you and proud of the two of you for your um, you know, just the blessing that you've become to not only our families, but to, to the community that you're serving now. And uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing much, much more, much, much more down the line. So thank uh, you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That means Stop so much. It. Thank you. We're happy to have you too. Here. But, um, Don't cry, Seth. It's okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> First, we just want to, we want to introduce him. Mm-hmm. So uh, my father has history with um, theology and pastoring and evangelism. I've been doing like apologists as well. Um, and so, Mr. Frankie, or I'm sorry, Dad, do you want to just give us a little bit of a rundown of just a, a brief history of just your background, the denomination, familiar experiences? Go ahead. Sure. And you know, I grew up in the church, uh, a very conservative um, scenario where. We grew up in the Assemblies of God. It's a Pentecostal denomination, and it was actually the uh, Spanish-speaking faction of it. The churches that I grew up in, uh, the first language in the church, services or teaching, were all in Spanish. So, um, you know, uh, basically was around that all the time and, and different cultures within the Spanish community. Um, very conservative. If you know what the NFL means, it means no fun league. So this was like, <laughs> there was not a lot of fun uh, going on. But at the same time, you were in, I wasn't exposed to what you didn't know what was fun. So, you know, there was uh, a lot less for you to be thinking about in the sense of, well, kids were out partying. You know, we didn't think about it because we weren't exposed to it. There wasn't a lot of this, that, and that. We were sort of always in church. So we didn't know what we were missing, in other words. So for us growing up, it was a, a situation that we were happy with our existence as siloed as it was. Mm-hmm. We were cool with it. But uh, but we, you know, we played sports. We, you know, we we liked girls. <laughs> it was, there was, you know, it wasn't like we were weird, but it was more so of us, the, you know, just being sort of cocooned in the, mm. in, in the, um, you know, the conservative lifestyle that we grew up in. But then as a teenager, I began to say, what, what's more out there? What's more for me? Mm-hmm. So when I decided to, you know, after high school, and I, I gave my life to the Lord as a freshman in high school, and uh, I accepted Christ on my own. Um, Did you uh, feel an immediate calling to be a pastor? No. The thing was, that even though my dad was a pastor, I didn't feel that calling. I, I actually wanted to do different things. I my favorite movie is Top Gun. 
So I wanted to be, <laughs> I, and I'm talking about the first one. I love Maverick too, but um, but my the first movie. So um, my son knows this that my dad had this, and I'm dating myself. Hi-Fi, which is like the stereo system and and whatever. This is old, and um, but we used to hook up the TV uh, to the stereo system and blast all the Top Gun music that came through the movie, <laughs> and you know be you know jumping on the sofa and you know just. Uh, horse around and stuff and and so uh i actually wanted to go in the marines when i was a teenager i wanted to join the military and uh but god had other plans for me um i also uh, uh played baseball um a lot you know i played on my high school team and uh, middle school and and i thought i was pretty good but uh um, when it was all said and done you know the, the you know god had a different plan for me and um, it wasn't until I turned around 18 years old where I felt drawn to and actually joined a traveling sort of locally within the eastern coast, uh, something called Ambassadors in Mission, which was a, a sort of a, a group of young people that were preparing themselves for mission work, mm. not only domestically, but out in, in uh, outside of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that was where I think I felt my first sort of drawing to, to, to ministry. And then a lot of things changed. <laughs> a lot of things honestly changed. I, uh, as time went by, I met my wife. You know, we, she was in ministry. I was in ministry. And then after we got married, we both were in ministry together at the, at the same church. Became a youth pastor with her at our church in Brooklyn. And then my second, round, uh, second go around in college, I went to Nyack College. Uh, University is called now Alliance University. When I was growing up, the pressure was to go to the Bible Institute at your local church. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't want that. I wanted to be stretched. I wanted to be, I wanted to expand my mind. I wanted to, to really challenge my thought process. So I went to NIAC and there I got stretched. Mm-hmm. I was the first mm-hmm. time I was told, well, you know, there's not, not everything you grew up learning uh, is an opinion of every Christian in the world. So that to me helped me grow a great deal to be able to say, "Hey, listen, that's that's a good thing." You know, as I, as I as I move forward, uh, you know, graduated from college in the early two thousands, we were we planted a church in New Jersey, went to Cleveland, Ohio, and led a, our own church there. We were the lead pastors there, and and then we moved to here to uh, to to Lidditz, mm-hmm. here um, in Pennsylvania in 2010 and you know at the church that we were serving at we were the evangelism pastors and eventually discipleship pastors and now we go to journey where we're there worshiping and and, and doing well a lot of things in between and we can get to that later but yeah um i just had a question as you were speaking you mentioned that you grew up in a very conservative environment. Mm-hmm. And I think when people hear that, they will immediately jump to conservative politics, mm-hmm. which is different from coming from a conservative theology. Mm-hmm. So would you say that um, you grew up in that conservative theology or conservative politics or maybe a mix of both? No, I mean, the truth is this, is that at home, we didn't talk about politics, honestly. We didn't. Like my parents uh, were both born in, on the island of Puerto Rico. And there weren't, we didn't talk about politics at all. I mean, I knew who, who the presidents of the United States were growing up and what have you, but my parents never told me we voted for this one or we're this house or we're Republican, Democrat, or mm-hmm. independent. There was none of that discussion. But when I, when I turned 18 and it was my first time to vote, you know, honestly, you know, I voted for Clinton because he was on our Sunday Hall. I mean, honest with you. Mm. That was, he was cool and you know, awesome. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll keep my opinions to myself about what happened later, you know, my <laughs> opinion of him. We'll leave that alone. But my point is, is that, you know, honestly, my first political experience wasn't one of, of death, depth, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and what have you. So there wasn't a, in the sense of party-wise, we were, we were for this party because of this or what have you. I mean, historically, honestly, the Latino community leans more one way than the other. Um, because of you know just just the dynamic yeah. of of one party over the other, but um, you know for me I I developed over time as an adult what my values are and what how I value the political process and um, 
you know, like I said, I have I have my side that I yeah. that I I lean towards on, but for the most part, I lean on the Lord's side. That's for me. That's where I put all my trust. Yeah, that's and, important. And go from there. So. So then, what did the conservative theology look like? Was that like venturing legalism territory? Oh yeah, I mean, for us, it was it was it was in depth. Where obviously you, you couldn't the, the everything was taboo. Anything that wasn't, you know, what I would say, accepted by the church, there, there was a lot of rules that weren't biblical, honestly. They were mostly man-made. They were mostly um, sort of spoon-fed to you and, and given to you. And then if, if you would resist that, you were, you know, you were labeled a liberal and what have you. And, um, you know, you're talking about it. Um, as, a, as a youth, if I wanted to take part in the, in the service, like, you know, whatever it was, even play an instrument, I had to wear a, wear a jacket and tie. Or, you know, obviously, you know, um, the, the, the attire was very conservative, you know, not showing anything and what have you. And that's really more what I would say extreme. But what I would say more than ever was the theology um, that was not healthy was how other people how we viewed other people mm. outside of our church okay you know the judgment you know there was a huge disparaging and disparaging uh, mentality of the latino church or the spanish church compared to caucasian um church which was well you know they wore this and they wore that and they allowed this and they allowed that so they they can't be as close to god as us yeah and that was unfortunately uh, something that was created um, to continue to separate us as believers. Um, obviously, as I, you know, as I got older and in my teenage years, I, I, I said, I want to know for myself. And, I, you know, I, I thank God that I did because I, I've met so many awesome people of all different backgrounds of, you know, um, you know, different races and what have you, um, different countries and whatever, and they've been a blessing to my life, you know, um, so... I've been to probably 20 different church services in 20 different languages, wow. you know, and just sat there and, and listened, whether it was through a translator or my or a friend of mine sitting next to me and telling me that's what they're saying and, and feeling the same warmth of the spirit and feeling the same, um, you know, uh, drawing to God. And so it was, it's, you know, for me, uh, I, I really set out to stretch myself, so... You know, for me, it was very important for me to do that. So, I mean, just moving back to the political part of it, you know, you know, we obviously live in a, a really charged, this is the right word, um, world right now um, because of, of so many different things that are going on. And the only thing I would say is this, is that I'm, I'm a Christian first, then I'm a Latino, then, then I am a U.S. citizen. Or U.S. citizen, Latino, you know, an American, than in the United States, and a lot of times people will say, "Well, I'm Latino first, or I'm an American first, and then Christ is second. Whenever you put Christ second to anything that you do, He will always be second in everything you think. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm a I'm a believer first, a Christian first, and then everything comes after that. Because when you put something in front of the name of Christ. You diminish what he is to you. I know that's a little deep, but <laughs> no, that's really important, and especially in a in a time when everything is so divisive and mm-hmm. everyone is trying to put forth these opinions that everyone's trying to change society for the better, and some people will hide behind Christian values, mm-hmm. but they still put their faith second, and mm-hmm. then they're like, "Look, I'm doing I'm doing God's work," yeah. but it's like they're hiding behind this facade. So I, I appreciate you saying that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and there's the constant argument between works and faith and faith and works. While works are great and it's great to have works, I think they they themselves will eventually leave a sour taste in your mouth if there's no faith to back it up. And we and it even even talked about in Romans, as Paul talks about, or even in Romans and Galatians and later on, how he talks about the differences in the circumcision. I know I've talked about this a lot before, mm-hmm. but it's something I come back to a lot because it's just something that's so that's so prevalent, especially throughout the New Testament where you have it focusing on something that says, this is something physical you're doing by a work, showing physically that you believe in God, but where's the internal, you know, where's your internal circumcision? Where's the circumcision in Christ? 
that faith we have before we ever even do any any type of work. Because that work means nothing if there's no faith to start off with at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... Works are a direct result of your faith, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. One question that... Uh, I think one of, well, one of the main questions I wanted to ask today was just, uh, we were talking a little before this about just the idea of the modern walk as a Christian mm. and how that looks today. When you were a child, in your childhood and even your teenagerhood, how did the Christian walk differ from today? We were in church, you know, five, six days a week, which is honestly unheard of now. So for us, it was a, di- a way of life. So for us, it was... Honestly, it was a lot, it was a comfort zone for us to be, you know, to, to do more praying, to do more studying to, of the word, to do more fasting, to do all these kind of things that we honestly are, are, are not a real big practice of a lot of believers, not every believer, but a lot of believers today. Um, you know, you hear a lot of moans, oh, we're having a fast at the church, the moans and groans. But when I was growing up, it was like I couldn't wait to go to, to fast. You know, I, I couldn't wait to get to, to church and, 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 and to pray with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I couldn't wait to, um, you know, for the pastor to start the sermon. I had my notebook ready to, and, you know, I, I had uh, my mom, you know, just maybe a few years ago found a notebook of sermons that I wrote down in 1984. Wow. She had the notebook because I had, you know, misplaced it in. She found it in her things and what have you. For us, it was, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was, you know, we, we, we didn't mind being saturated by what, what was being offered there. And for us, it was a, a, a I don't want to say a pure, but it was a more innocent. There wasn't a lot of distractions coming in to our, our world. So to be honest with you, it was a little, it was a lot easier to be a Christian because of the fact is that. There wasn't folks always challenging who you were, and I mean, so for us, it was um, it was a lot easier to be able to say, "And I'm a Christian," and you know, get over it if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't want to understand that. But I think we're a big part of where we didn't do a good job when I was a, a youth was that there was a lot of condemnation and a lot of judgment. So when we would approach people, we would not worry. We wouldn't go into a conversation with them about what was going on with them as a person. We looked at their appearance, or where they might, what where they came from, whether it was their family or or their background, and just said, "Well, you need to repent and what have you," which in theory is correct. But at the same time, it was the approach. It was the manner in which we approach people um so there was less compassion and more um sort of harping on you know you need to sort of copy us mm-hmm. and that and there and there that's where we failed a lot of people and honestly speaking my generation a lot of people got lost because of that because they didn't want to conform to that they felt judged they felt um alienated for a lot of different reasons um, so for us, you know, in, in that, in that time, um, it, it was honestly seen for me, um, it was, it was easy now going to school, like high school and whatever I, let's look at this way. I went to a very, very, what I would say, um, uh, a rough high school, the high school that I went to by my freshman year, when I came in, there was already metal detector. There were, um, honestly speaking, um, you know, more than 50 girls a year were getting raped in the school. Mm. There were kids being, you know, um, beat up. I, my, I myself was assaulted. There, there were, it, it was a violent school that I went to. And I don't want to get too, you know, crazy about that. But, it, again, it was like, you know, I had my church life. And then there was the, the real world to a certain extent. And the real world for me was, very violent and scary, to be honest with you. Mm. So I had to overcome those things. By that's why I said when I when I decided to go to to school or whatever, I wanted to go outside of my comfort zone and be challenged and maybe be hurt a little bit and maybe be, you know, sort of like uh, 
because again i'm an extrovert so <laughs> i gotta speak up i gotta yeah. <laughs> i gotta be me you know in that way for me it was it was one of those things where i learned back then to not have any problem going to talk to someone about christ but i had to learn what the right way to do it was i wanted to ask uh because in romans uh, chapter 5 it talks about how as a christian um, and as having our walk that we have it's all about perseverance and character now how do you think the idea of perseverance played into your life at that time and how it played into the life of many christians you came across in the 80s and the 90s i love yeah. romans 5 yeah so so <laughs> The, the the other thing too is this is that our faith wasn't based on on a desire to dissect everything. Hmm. Our faith was based on the true meaning of what faith is in the Bible. It's you know it's believing without seeing. You know for us it was, for me at that I'm going to talk about for myself. I I really enjoyed being a believer when I was a teenager. Uh, and the reason why was because I, I truly, you know, honestly speaking, felt like I was, um, you know, I had I had a purpose in life because of it. You know, I said, you know, I know that God has a calling for my life. Um, I don't know what it was at the time, but I felt um, different than other people. Like some people, they feel like they were cocky and whatever. I never felt that way, even though I was I'm an extrovert. But mm-hmm. I felt I said, man, I, I got something special in me. Hmm. God's put something special in me, and you know I don't know what it is, but I know it's I know it's good. So I felt good being you know you're talking about there were there was a time for weekends on end, weekend after weekend and weekend that we would go to church on a Friday night, have the youth service. And we wouldn't leave until Sunday morning. We would be in Jubilees all Saturday during the day. You know, there wasn't like, oh, I'm missing out on parties. I'm missing out on this. I'm not. I said for us, it was for me growing up. It was like I'm missing out on church. <laughs> and it's like that's nuts. You crazy? You know you, you know you don't know what you're missing and whatever. And well, buddies of mine in school were going to football games or concerts or whatever like that. I was like. I have absolutely no interest mm. in any of that. You know what I'm saying? So it was like. Do you think that's maybe why there's right now kind of this mass breakout of people? Yeah, like in your generation, like in my parents' generation as well, coming out and proclaiming their deconstruction or proclaiming their complete um, abandonment of their faith, maybe because they were spoon fed this information. And then mm. when they were exposed to the real world really late, like, the thread was just pulled and then they lost what th- what they had known. Do you think that could be the reason? I, I, I believe so. I think it's it's the thing of, well, I've gotten to my midlife crisis in Christianity and now I need to spread my wings. Mm. That's the best way I can put it. And what happens is, is that that's a danger in any walk of life, any aspect of your life, whether it's marriage, whether it's, you know, um, you as a as a, in your career, whatever it might be, Stan, we come to those crisis moments, mm-hmm. and how we respond, honestly speaking, um, is it can can really get us to a moment of wow, I have some work to do, mm-hmm. if we let ourselves fall into that trap. So I think that many people that have now gone from being I was so con- I was very conservative to now just even, you know, denying, you know, Christ or, you know, not, not walking away and, and or even taking on other ideologies instead, for me, goes to the crust of that our daily walk with Christ back then wasn't what it needed to be, which mm-hmm. was firm in the word, um, you know, seeking Christ, you know, as much as we can. You know, the Bible talks about that we must decrease so he can increase in us. Mm-hmm. But if we put a if we put a finger in the spout of him increasing in us, what ends up happening is that we continue to decrease and what we let in is not Christ. We let in confusion and doubt and indifference and all those kind of things. And when when we finally say, Well Christ, you could come in now it's too late. 
the water is poisoned. Yeah. It is not, uh, we, we cannot think or, or, or react clearly. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to be, you know, all things to all people. Right. And some people are getting very loose. Like they want to still hold on to the Christianity that they knew. They want to hold on to the Christ that they knew mm-hmm. because there's a lot of comfort in the person of Jesus. But they want to get very loose with everything else. Mm-hmm. And they'll still use the title of Christian. And I really like how you said that. It's like mm-hmm. we're going to decrease no matter what. It's just a matter of what increases within us, whether that's God or whether that's what we fill with yeah. our minds. Yeah, because to me, honestly, um, Karina and Seth, we, we, we have to look at our, our daily walk with Christ as, you know, what are the opportunities that come our way? Yep. And the thing is, like, you know, whether it's spending time with your family or continuing to, to you know, to be successful at work or, or um, you know, your health, whatever it might be, you know, we have to believe that our faith draws us to continue to to be an example in the name of the Lord. And, and the way we have to understand that is that that's not by questioning our faith. It's by, Lord, help me to increase my faith in you. Because if we, if we continue to, as days go by, continue to question and question and question, oh, but, you know, people say, well, you should question. Okay, well, there's questioning for the sake of questioning mm-hmm. and then this questioning and saying, Lord, I'm asking you this question because I am afraid or I need you, God. So that's why I'm asking the question. We're not asking a question out of obstinance or indifference or that we want to come up against the Lord as believers. Um, you know, so in other words, I love the kingdom of Christ. I would never want to do anything to go against the kingdom of Christ, even though growing up there has been some pretty dark, dark moments in the kingdom of Christ and the way we acted towards other people. Mm. But I would still never say, well, the kingdom of the Christ is not worth it. It is, always will be, because of the fact is that in that, in that kingdom is where, I found I found myself, which is in Christ. Mm-hmm. So you know, like a lot of times we we get we beat up the church, but what are we doing individually and as a whole to continue to lift it up? That's, a lot of people love to critique the church without a, doing anything to work on it. Mm-hmm. The church did this. The church did that. Okay, so what are we doing to fix it? You're just sitting there, mm-hmm. you know. No, yeah, yeah. That's a. What were you gonna say? That's a. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and and touching even further on the way of being a church, not necessarily just the building itself, but being a church and trying to push the message of the church out to other people. I know that's something else that, you know, I remember. Uh, I remember going out with you on the street in Ohio. Um, as we look at evangelism and like street you guys evangelism. Did street preaching. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've done it for years. That's cool. Make the little ham and cheese sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really cool. But yeah. Um, and, and I remember, you know, obviously I was like five, but um, I remember it happening. And how do you feel the way? Um, I think, I think, I think oftentimes we kind of get too personal. And um, I think your dad brought this up as well, that we're as Christians, we get too personal sometimes and, you know, we get very me, me, me. Oh, yeah. You know, rather than talking about other people and, you know, going towards the really the great commission, and the great mission of all of this and going out and pushing it rather than just focusing on my spiritual, you know, health. And and um, but how do you view that? How do you view that as a thing that builds your own spiritual character plus aiding other people in finding God? Well, there's something that I believe is is something that, that we continue to sort of like be deficient as, as individuals, and I'm not say as a church, but as individuals is, is to be honest with the, the love of witnessing. And witnessing is sharing in some way, shape, or form the awesome things that God has done in your life. Um, part of my testimony was that when I was 
in my mom's womb, you know, uh, and she went to to the doctor. Um, Karina, don't look at me weird. I'm just trying to. <laughs> What? I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, no, Seth no, is writing stuff on the computer. So, it's distracting me. No, so, no, I mean, so on all services, you know, um, she was told that because she had a, a certain, she had a, a, a condition at the time where the doctor told her, you may have to terminate the pregnancy. Okay. And my mom said, no, I believe that God, and this, I'm, this, I'm not getting political with this, just, my, this was an individual for my my wife, my mom, and she said, "No, I, I have to have this child." Mm-hmm. And there there was a moment where a uh, in other words, a paper was slid in front of her. If you want to terminate the pregnancy, just sign here, and we'll bring you in to do that. And the way the you know when my mom talks to me about that, you know, I say to myself, you know the you know, our witness, like if that would have happened, if she would have not as a witness, even in her pain and risking her life because of her condition with me in her womb, she witnessed to that doctor says, no, I'm going to, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to have this child and I'm going to love this child and I'm going to give this child the best life I can. And because of that, my witness is important more uh, even more so important so then so if i'm working or if i'm with my family and i'm not perfect don't get me wrong but my goal should always be when there's an opportunity to witness i have to do it because the bible talks about with paul he says if i don't speak i die right he says if i don't preach i die right so for us, you know, we need to understand that that the that the Holy Spirit goes before us as as a counselor for us. Mm-hmm. He prepares the way for us. That's what the Bible tells us. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's different ways, but for the most part, he begins to prepare the hearts of the people that we encounter. And when we encounter them, whether it's just by how you doing or, you know, our demeanor our ability to 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 connect with that person you know whether it's through work or starting a new friendship helping them in a time of need you know we, we did a home we did a homeless ministry back in cleveland where we would go on two fridays a month where you know we would have about about 20 people and we would come together at 5 p.m to 7 p.m and the ladies of the church would make sandwiches and all the youth would be putting socks together and boiling them up together, put toiletry little bags together, and we'd go into on under all the bridges of Cleveland Cleveland and and just find folks that were in need. That's beautiful. And the thing is that for us it was a situation where we didn't have to say a word. Mm. We just gave them what we had and that was our witness. The, the the witness of because of Christ, I am compelled to do this for someone that I don't know, mm-hmm. that I may never see again. And, you know, that to me is something today that people would rather sacrifice their witness than to offend somebody. I would rather I would rather offend somebody and them not know Christ. Understand? than to go ahead and take that opportunity again with love and compassion and not being overbearing and judgy and all that kind of stuff, but being, you know, who Christ called us to be. Mm-hmm. And that is, I told, I was talking to Seth about this, being an ambassador of Christ. That's what the Bible calls us to do, to be ambassadors of Christ. Unfortunately, we don't have the ambassadors that we need out in the world today. And mm. we need to continue to say, how do we get there as individuals? Love what you said. Go ahead. You, go. <laughs> okay. you, were, you were talking about. Love what you said about how any of our actions can be a witness as well. Because a lot of people, and especially um, me when I was going to a public high school, 
um, there was a stereotype for Christians, of course, to act a certain way and to always be a certain way and always wanting to be shoving things down people's throats and this and that. And it's like you don't have to quote the Bible to someone or tell them all the things they're doing wrong to show people the love of God. Like what you did in your church with just handing those things out and not saying a word to them. Like that's you are portraying the love of God to them. And that's so beautiful. Just connecting with someone, which is very hard for me and Seth to do just to go out and meet new people. Very hard. But um, doing stuff like that. city. (laughs) (laughs) Doing stuff like that and just connecting with someone on a very like level one type level is beautiful and can lead to them searching for, you know, something deeper. And whether it goes that way or not, it's like that was your witness. And I love the way you worded that. I wanted to just add as a as kind of an aside um, for the people, because I think I think a big thing, too, with this generation that they find to struggle with is identity. Because, you know, not that you don't have them anymore, but I definitely think this is a much more introverted generation. You know, you don't have, I feel, as many, uh, you know, of those street evangelists will just go out and travel the country and go over here and go over here and go over there and, and all that stuff. What is like some advice? For that Christian who is on fire and has a burning passion, but doesn't really understand what to do, or maybe for a Christian who feels that they're not doing enough and that their gifts aren't as special as someone who says goes out into the community and you know can do that and has the um, ability to be able to do that. What what is some adv- what is something you would say to someone like that? Well, the first thing I would say is that never never take those gifts and say. Those are mine. The truth is, is that Christ is the one that puts that in us. And he is the author and finisher. He's the one that that puts those things in us. And we just need to be willing vessels. So for the person that is, let's say, in a, whether a new believer or someone that is on fire for God, or, and whether they're a new believer or not, I, I think that, what 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 happens a lot of times is that we we don't have that maturity to be able to hone that mm-hmm. stand to hone it in a way where we can decipher when's the right time to share and when's the right time to let the holy spirit touch that person in spite of us mm-hmm. because we become sometimes in our immaturity and then that's when our immaturity shows is when we lack the compassion, lack the ability to say things that are going to benefit that person rather than to, to put another five feet between them and Christ. Mm. You know, so that is something that we have to be able, it's called discernment. <laughs> you know, we need to discern, you know, in our, in our lives in Christ, hey, you know, wh- what do I need to do to be that, that to get to that maturity level that's going to allow me to be the, the best version of, of, of myself in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the person who is maybe struggling, you know, where they are sort of losing faith maybe or even having issues with, well, how do I share more? The truth is this is that with those folks, they should have, um, I mean, they, they need to, to continue to, to surround themselves with other believers that are continuing to grow in faith. Um, we cannot do this alone. We need to be around other believers that are looking to Christ, not looking away from him. And if we continue to, to put ourselves in the same grouping, the people who are loving Christ and loving people, then what happens is that I'm, you get encouraged and you encourage other people. One other thing, um, you know, that you were talking about is that how do I allow myself to, you know, to to speak to folks? It's because of the fact is that not so much that I'm an extrovert, is that again my instinct, my spiritual instinct through Christ through the Holy Ghost, is that I don't want them to be lost. I could be the only person ever that could have a word for them, mm-hmm. to have an encouraging word for them, it could be the last hope that they have to come to Christ, and if I don't act, then I, you know, I should be burdened. I should feel burdened for folks. 
And if I'm not, I got a lot of work to do personally in my walk with the Lord because I, I, that should be always the first and foremost because there's a difference. It could be on the, on the front part of my mind to want to witness to everyone. It doesn't mean on my mind I'm, I want to convert everybody. Mm. Conversion and witnessing are two different things. I can't convert anybody. Only Christ can. My job is to witness on what God did to save me. That's good. And when I try to start, when I stop converting people or trying to, that's when Christ comes out and he does the work in those folks. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, that was really good. I, I think it's, in, I think that's really an interesting way to look at that. I am not a person. I'm not converting anyone. You're not converting anyone. Even the friends who you've talked to who might have strayed from the faith and have come back, you know, because after talking to you, it's not because of you. Yeah, maybe they're friends with you and it helped, but that's all God right there. Yeah, and that's something I that's struggled all, with. That's all spiritual experience right there. I really struggled with that when I was younger, feeling like I had to convert people. And I think that it also comes down to the conviction of all of it as well. Mm-hmm. the conviction and the compassion that we feel as as Christians for others because I think a lot of times people do it to either get numbers up, to, you know, stroke their ego, but I think, too, that there's a sense of conviction and compassion. It's like if, if you're going out, you know, and you're talking to a friend of yours and you see them as a project, that's different than seeing them as a friend of yours who also wants to come to Christ. It needs maybe you know? guidance. Yeah, and I wanted to ask as well, how do you, what do you view as the, um, when you look at the modern Christian walk? Because I think we've talked a lot about, you know, the past. And, but I think for right now, how do you view the walk of the modern Christian? And what do you think there are the pros and the cons of, of the way Christians today act, maybe do certain things, maybe worship, maybe even church itself? Well, I think that in an effort to try to not turn people off, we've diminished our time together as believers. So again, remember I mentioned before, you know, we used to be in church five five or six nights a week. I'm not advocating for us to go back to that, but the connections is what I will always advocate for. If we don't connect with other believers and get encouragement, there's a lot of downtime where we can um, allow confusion and allow a lot of lot of discourse in our own walk to creep up in us and take up residence in our minds, in our hearts, in our relationships. And then what ends up happening is that there's fractures that happen with our within our life. And one of the biggest things that I've seen today is that there's a lot of folks that have a fractured faith, that have a conflict in their faith walk because of the people around them. And people who they love are, you know, maybe not believers or living a certain lifestyle, and they have to choose. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that they, they, they forget that they don't have to choose. If you believe in Christ, if you're a, a Christian, if you're someone who is a believer of Christ, there there is no fracture. The fracture is not, Christ is not creating it. We are creating that because of the fact is that we want to be indifferent. We want to be double-minded. We choose to be double-minded. The Bible talks about, you know, that we cannot be double-minded. It talks about that in James, you know, we, you know, we cannot be double-minded. And what happens is that for us, we have to have an understanding. If, if we depend on Christ the way we should, there will never be a fracture. In other words, we shouldn't find a reason to hate our own faith or to put down our own faith, or to say it's not good enough for the world today. I think in the opposite, I think it's what the world exactly needs, faith in Christ, because of the fact is that you gotta remember there was the woman who was about to be stoned, right? And Christ rose up and said, if you have not sinned, cast the first stone. But that's not where the story ends. He then tells the woman, go and sin no more. We're quick to tell other people, 
Don't throw the stone. But we stop at telling the person who was going to be stoned, go and sin no more. We stop the process of faith and witnessing. Mm -hmm. And that's where the problem is. We're willing to tell people, don't, don't toss the stone. But we're not willing to also tell the person who was going to be stoned. There was a reason why they were going to stone you. But the compassion of Christ is here for you. The love of Christ is here for you. So go ahead, please. Go on your merry way, but sin no more. The woman at the well, right? She came with her, um, her basket or her bucket or what have you to come and get water. And Christ, you know, the whole story, you know, he talks to her about who he is. But then he tells her as well, mm -hmm. go and fix yourself. Go, you know, go back to your original husband and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Christ is supposed to love everyone. He does. But he also tells you, stop sinning. Come, you know, if you want to really follow me, this is what you have to do. So in our walk with Christ as a church, as a believer, our focus should be on witnessing. Seth had asked me the question before, and I didn't fully answer it completely. You know, what drives me to, you know, has driven me in, in the past to go into the street and, and talk to people, not only about, you know, that I, I feel compelled to do it, but the truth is this, is that we have to show the world that there's hope. And if we're not out there willing to be in the line of fire, willing to say, hey, I'm willing to, to, to give my life for whatever it is, to stand there and, and, and you know, then, then what are we doing as a church? We need to be able to say, I know who I am in Christ. Talking about identity, the identity for me has always been from the seed of Christ. When he died on the cross and he rose on the third day, he implanted in me that ability to be able to say, now in me starts something, something started to grow in me that he put there. I didn't put it there. It's beyond my ability to mess it up. And, and if I allow it to grow in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. For us, that is what is honestly a lost practice in, in, in a lot of believers today. They, they, they don't understand what Christ has put in them and what that can become. That was great. I think it is interesting, too. Yeah. Hope is so important. And like, uh, you know, to go back to Romans again, in chapter 8, verse 24, 25, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. And it also says in 26, um, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's powerful. And Karina sent me this the other day because she's been reading through Romans as well. And I think that the idea of hope is so important because we always say that, oh, you know, hope for this, hope for that, hope for that. But what are we really hoping for? And where does that hope really come from? And what does that hope do for us if there's nothing to really show for it? Anything else that you want to maybe tell the listeners and viewers that you might not have touched on? You know, if you're struggling with your relationship with Christ or God and, and, you know, and whatever, obviously there's different belief systems, but whether it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, for us, we need to understand that there is different ways in which God contributes to our faith. And for me, I believe in all aspects of what God has done and what he will do and what he continues to do in my life. My faith cannot be limited to my mind only. I, I need for, for, for me to surrender to God. I mean, honestly, all of us need to surrender to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of every single believer. The Bible talks about, and with this I'll, I'll, I'll finish, the Bible tells us that he's a great counselor, an advocate. And for us, what happens is, is that every day we're on trial. Just like Christ, before he went to the cross, he didn't say a word. 
our problem is is that we continue to want to speak up for ourselves when the Holy Spirit can do all the talking for us if we surrender mm. to the Holy Ghost in a way where he is truly the one that is, is doing the things for us. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can continue to be effective as believers is through witnessing, just witnessing and telling people, this is the good and awesome thing that God has done for us. I, the one last thing I want to say is thank you, Karina. Thank you, Seth, for having me. It's truly an honor to be here, and I, I hope that the show continues to have the great success that it has and that it will continue to have and see what the Lord takes you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means so Thanks, much, Dad. and it was an honor to have you as well. It's always, I always love having conversations with people who have had um, a deep history in ministry or in planting their own churches or um, just having so much experience with apologetics and things just because like those people have so much wisdom to offer and experience just hearing like your testimony and all the little pieces that came together is very impactful. So thank you for being willing to share that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's my dad. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I'm so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. We'll be back next week. Do you have yeah, any closing thoughts? We'll be thoughts, back Seth? next week. All right, I think this was a really good episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy these guest episodes. I think that they've been really good. All of our guests I've really enjoyed so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm excited to have some more on which there are more coming soon. Yes, trying to get those organized. Yes, trying to get those organized. But, hey, we're young and busy, so uh, give us some time, guys. But there's more coming for you guys, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the conversation we had today. Um, You know, keep on... Keep on streaming. Keep on you can. <laughs> we are almost at a thousand downloads. When I checked this morning, we were at nine hundred eighty-seven. Yeah, we're so yeah. close. Get a little of that, guys. Keep, keep downloading. Y'all gotta get a little of this. Yeah, All right, going, let's let's wrap right. up. But uh, you can find us at the underscore introvert underscore city on Instagram and on Facebook. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see you guys next week. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>